Welcome back to another episode of the Off the Bench Podcast. It's episode three, and once again, I'm joined by Andy Berman from Raleigh, North Carolina. Andy, how are you? Doing good. Great to be here. It's great to have you back. And speaking of coming back, Jesus Escalera, um, first episode back since the premiere, uh, fresh off a of July the 4th full week off of work, um, on vacation. Back with us now uh, from Dallas, Texas, Jesus Glad to be back. I feel re-energized after that week off and excited to talk about some basketball. Absolutely. It was not the same without you. I can say that for sure. Um, and as promised to our viewers, we have a special guest this week. Um, couldn't come last week because of a cruise, uh, but he's here with us tonight. We're very happy to have him. AJ Bordenet. Kevin, nice to Thank you. Hey, Zeus, Andy, thanks for having me. Let's, uh, let's get into it. Absolutely. Um, the first thing I want to talk about, we're not going to go too in depth on it. Um, the in season tournament was announced Saturday. Uh, we're recording this Monday night, July the 10th. So by the time you're watching it, it may be a little bit later in the week. They may have, uh, announced a few tweaks to the, to the rules or what they announced Saturday. Who knows? Um, going over the groups, the format is there's three groups in each conference, five teams in each group. The West groups in group A is the Grizzlies. Suns, Lakers, Jazz, and Blazers. So certainly probably the strongest group in that conference. After that, Group B is going to be the Nuggets, Clippers, Pelicans, Mavericks, and Rockets. And the final group will be Kings, Warriors, Timberwolves, Thunder, and Spurs. Um, just from looking at it, obviously Group A is loaded. I think, you know, your dark horse is probably going to be Group C. Um, just because the Sacramento and Golden State went seven in the playoffs and there's no clear favorite. I mean, you can have a favorite, but there's no clear favorite in that group. Um, and obviously Denver, the defending champs, they get their easiest, uh, easiest group and rightfully so. What stands out to you guys, um, about the Western conference groups? Yeah. Um, I'd say for me, group A is probably the group that stands out. It's the most competitive group, I'd say, because you've got four really good teams. If you look at just last year's performance, you got the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Suns, and the Utah Jazz. So you've got four competitive teams, three of them that hope to win a championship next year. And then you got a young group of youngsters in Portland who are trying to prove themselves with Scoot Henderson, Simons, maybe possibly Dame if he doesn't go to Miami, which I don't know if that's happening or not, but it's going to be a fun group to watch for sure. Is you any thoughts? Me, I'd say Group B. I really wonder, out of all the teams, which team would really give Denver a run for its money. For me, personally, I think it might be Dallas. But other than that, I feel like every other group, like Group A is stat, so I don't feel like there's any clear winner there, or Group C as well. I think I like New Orleans and B a little bit to give Denver a run for their money. I think I like them a little bit more than the Clippers. Um, AJ, anything to stand out to you? Uh, I'm going to be the uh, odd guy out here and go with Group C as my favorite group here. Um, like you said, Sacramento and Golden State Series just went seven this past season. Um, so I think those are some interesting teams right there. And then you got the Wolves and the Thunder, who I both, who both are, you know, were right there, nine through 12 seeds uh, last year. Um and I think the Thunder are an exciting team. And then you got the Spurs, obviously, with Wimbenyana and uh, some some young guys that 
will be looking to prove themselves in a group full of noteworthy names. So, yeah, I think it should be interesting to see what happens there in the Western Conference. Yeah, I feel like the West is in a weird spot just because the bottom feeders have improved so much with Portland – or not Portland, but Utah, Houston, Dallas. Mm-hmm. Considering Dallas a bottom feeder is just crazy. Um, but standings-wise, they were there. The Spurs got women Yama. Everybody on the Thunder got a year of experience, and the Blazers still haven't traded Dane. So trying to project the bottom of that conference is just – it's very difficult to do at the moment. Uh, going into the East, Group A – we have the Sixers, Cavs, Hawks, Pacers, and Pistons. Group B is probably going to be your juggernaut. You got the Bucks and Knicks, Heat, Wizards, and Hornets. And Group C will be kind of your cupcake, kind of like Group B in the West. You got the Celtics, Nets, Raptors, Bulls, and Magic. Um, if I had to pick, I think your clear four here are probably just going to be um, the Celtics, Sixers, and whoever wins, um, whoever wins that you know Miami Milwaukee matchup. Um, unfortunately for New York here, I think Cleveland probably has a better chance um, of jumping into that four spot just because the rest of their pool is a little bit easier um, than New York. And I could see New York having two or two losses and Cleveland only having one. Um, So I think my bet for the, the top four would probably end up being the same four in the top of the East in the playoffs last year. What do you guys think? Yeah, um, I don't know. I think in terms of just the groups, I think I like the the Pacers one because I think the um, I don't think the Sixers are going to be that strong, especially in the early half of the season because the tournament is pretty early in the season, and I think they might just not even they might just rest and beat for the real playoffs and not let him go that hard. And other than the Sixers, I think it's wide open. So if the Sixers maybe lose a game or two, I think it's just wide open for the Pacers in that group to make a run. Yeah, I mean, I can't really project anything about the Sixers right now. We've had all this downtime, and James Harden, seemingly things have cooled off, but um, apparently he still wants a trade. I think there's been several tweets of people saying that he's cooled off and they expect him to be back in Philly. And then Ramona Shelburne, or Ramona Shelburne she's kind of an insider for Philly with ESPN. She keeps saying that he wants out still, like requesting, not demanding, but it's still something to, to look at. Yeah, with Harden, I guess it, he's got some other tricks up his sleeve too. If the if season starts, he can just not play and he can just show up fat like he did with the Rockets, <laughs> Rockets season where he got a trade from the Rockets was him not showing up to play and being in, out of shape. So, But I don't know. I, there, I see a lot of tweets that say he – they're not gonna that Murray's gonna be pretty strong and not trade him, so we'll see. AJ, is there anything uh you want to talk about with the East before we move on? I mean, I just thought it was interesting how you were just saying you think you already have the four teams picked out, you know, just I was uh, giving you my favorites. <laughs> the expectation. No, no, it's all right. It's all right, just keep sleeping on sleeping on my pacers, but with Andy, I would say Group A is the most intriguing for me. Um, obviously, because the Pacers, but the Hawks, you know, with uh, a solid, solid, solid team from last year. Same Cavaliers, and then 76ers were obviously top of the top of the East. But um, yeah, Group A is one I'll be most excited to watch. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ridiculous to say that Group A probably is five of the top 12 teams. I look at, I think your three worst teams in the East probably going to be, you know, Charlotte and Washington and possibly Chicago. Like, that might sound crazy, but Chicago's going down a path where I just feel like they're we're going to wake up one of these mornings and either DeRozan or Levine's going to be gone. Um, That's kind of, I'm just giving you a tentative, like, idea of who I like because obviously, I mean, there's uncertainty with Siakam, which we're going to get into. There's uncertainty with James Harden. Um, one of these Eastern Conference teams is probably going to get Dane. So, I mean, you can't really project anything at this point. Um, but I think it is cool to just kind of go over it and, you know, talk about who we like and everything. Um, that kind of goes over the groups. Um, and obviously we talked about the group winners will be in, and then there's one wild card. We're not going to go much into the format um, and the incentives and the scheduling. Uh, we're going to talk about that next week or the week after that when we get a little bit closer to that time and free agencies winded down. Um, I just want to talk about some more free agent, um, you know, the free agent carousel and how it's panned out the last couple couple days here um, since the last pod. First thing, first order of business, Paul Reed, that $23 million offer sheet that he got from Utah, it did end up getting matched by Philly. And I know Philly, Daryl Morey, they were very proud of it. Um, if you look at the contract details there, Danny Ainge, he put a fun little quirk in there. Um, the second and third year of that contract, three million, three years, 23 million, second and third year become fully guaranteed if the team he's on, in this case, Philly wins their first round, first round in the playoffs, which is, you know, fairly likely to happen considering the last couple of years. Um, so he's, he was doing that because Utah, would not have been in that situation in all likelihood. So he's creating an avenue where the Jazz would have been flexible if they signed into this contract um, or where it handcuffs the Sixers a little bit in a big man room where they already have the reigning MVP. They brought back Montrezl Harrell and they bring in Mo Bamba. So, I mean, I, I like Paul Reed. He's the clear second best big. Um, but something about this for Philly just feels a little off. Like it just feels like, you know, they kind of just got played a little bit and – had they moved a little bit quicker, you know, maybe they get him back on a better deal. What do you guys think? Yeah, um, I'd agree. I'd agree with you that the Danny Ainge factor played a role too, because I feel like Utah never really were serious about getting him. Even if they acted like they were, I think it was just getting more money out of the Sixers, which kind of happened. I also like the, I don't know if I like it, but it's kind of weird to see the thing in the contract where, it like guarantees more him more money if they make the conference semifinals, which is kind of weird. You usually see the those types of stuff in contracts. So, which will they'll probably make so he'll get all the money that he he has guaranteed because I think it's the conference semifinals, and I think the Sixers should probably make it. They'll win one round. They'll win the first round. And in turn, just start talking about Paul Reed, I think he was pretty good last year, even when Embiid was injured in the playoffs. I think he was pretty good on the boards, and he's kind of like an energy guy. I think the Sixers really railed on him. And he's a fan favorite. Think, yeah, he is. <laughs> and I think he's getting paid like $8 million a year, which is not that bad when I think like Jock Landau also got like $8 million. So I think it's about the same. So I'd say they probably got a good enough deal concerning the other teams in the market. Yeah, I... I definitely like how they they kept him because he's only 24, and with Nick Nurse, we could potentially see maybe a double big lineup because with Embiid and then 
having more perimeter defense, especially on the weak side, I could I definitely like Paul Reed staying, even though he probably needs to work on fouling less. But other than that, he's he's improved a lot the last three years for sure. So I definitely like how they kept him. That's a juicy little bit there. Uh a double big for Philly. I don't know when I don't know the last time we've seen that. Unless you count yeah. like the Roco years. Could that would be interesting. I like that. Especially if Harden leaves too, maybe they switch everything up. Who knows? I mean, it takes a little bit of pressure off of Embiid on the defensive side as well. Um, it's a team that already doesn't shoot a lot, and I know that's why they like to have Tucker in there at the four. But yeah, I, don't, I mean, that's definitely that's definitely a good talking point. I like that. AJ, uh, any thoughts? Not much. I mean, does Paul Reed, you know, bringing Paul Reed back really make that big of a difference where they're gonna? Overtake the Celtics, you know, the Heat. Um, I don't know. I don't see it. So, no, it doesn't. I'll tell you that right now. And what really fascinated me about this, and I don't know if this was something Danny Ainge kind of saw, but we talked about this. I think I can't remember if it was the first episode or the second episode, how Boston and Philly, they're both kind of gearing up for a big free agency, uh, next year or a potential big trade. If you look at Philly's payroll, they've got very little guaranteed money next summer. It's Embiid. Um, they didn't extend Maxi this summer. Um, so they could potentially trade him next summer or not resign him or whatever. Obviously you would sign him. Uh, but they are going down a path where other than Embiid, we don't know who's going to be here next year. Patrick Beverly was one of the few free agents, um, who didn't get a player option. And now, you know, Danny Ainge does something where he's guaranteeing Philly is going to have to probably pay Paul Reed for the next two years um, and maybe, you know, maybe helping out his Boston buddy a little bit to make sure that they have a better package and more room for a, for a potential big trade or big signing. Um, that kind of goes over um, everything with Paul Reed. It was a lot for, you know, a restricted free agent who comes off the bench. Um, it was a lot in there. The next of uh, Dario Saric finally, went to Golden State. That was something that dropped the very first day of free agency, and then nothing ever came of it until just a couple of days ago. I really like the fit. Dario Saric in Oklahoma City, uh, Phoenix before that, you know, he didn't he didn't get a lot of playing time. When he did, I mean, he was solid. He's a decent defender. He's a great passer. He can stretch the floor for you, and you list off all those things, and he's the perfect big for Golden State, and the lineups that they ran when Kevon Looney would come off the floor, Draymond Green is your five, like in that King series, the Monte Sabonis absolutely murdered them. And then when they played the Lakers, Kevon Looney, even when he was on there sometimes, Anthony Davis was dominating. And then Looney comes out and it's like they can't get a rebound. So I, I really, really like it for Golden State. Um, I think, you know, for Sarich it makes sense because Golden State's kind of a place where you can reestablish your identity um, and when he was in Philly like he was a good player he was somebody that teams like teams were looking for so uh, I, I like it for Golden State I like it for Sarge um, the Raptors the Raptors are starting to heat things up with a couple of their wings who we've been waiting on to move for a while mm. first OG Ananobi um, I talked to AJ a little bit today the rumor going around is that Toronto on draft night was not interested in dealing on an OB for the third pick, which they listed a bunch of players like Siakam, um, obviously the Pelicans with Zion, 
nobody's really interested. Then they threw Ananobi in there, and I kind of did a double take when I read it. Would you guys not be willing to trade Ananobi for the third pick if it meant you had a shot at Scoop? Um, I'll go. So just at the face value, if you know you're getting the third pick, I think it's just a slam dunk you trade him. Because if you're getting Scoot, who's going to be a generational talent in my opinion. I don't know if he's pretty good, but he's not Scoot Henderson. He's not like a guy who can lead you to a championship on his own. Like Scoot can do that. He can be that guy. So I just think if they knew they were getting the third pick, which I don't know if they were getting Third pick is pretty high, especially in this draft when you've got Scoot and Lemonyella in it. So if they were getting the third pick, I'd say they should have done it. I don't think Anobi's get that good. Saying that, I would want him on the Pacers because I think he'd be a nice addition to our roster if he ever gets traded. And um, I think he went to Indiana, too, so that would be like a good homecoming for him. I'm sure AJ would like that. Hey. As long as he plays hard and I don't care where he went to college, as long as he does well with Pacers, right? I mean. <laughs> little uh, little hometown hero for the Pacers. And the only thing I can think of, if Toronto declines that or just isn't interested in talking about it at all, did they think at the time, like, hey, we're going to run this back. Um, we're going to keep Fred Van Vliet. You know, we're going to try to make another run at this. Because obviously, like, this is draft night before Fred goes to Houston, before the Siakam rumors. Like, that's the only thing I could think of because if they had all this on their radar where they didn't think they'd be able to keep Van Vliet, where they knew they'd probably be shipping out Siakam, the prospect of a Scotty Barnes-Scoot Henderson tandem, like to me, if the price is giving up OG on Anobi, I'm putting down the phone and I'm just sending them the deal before they can send it to me because that's yeah. like spectacular. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, yeah. if – they were worried about it, like, you know, because it wasn't really nailed down who Charlotte was going to be selecting with number two. Like, you know, they, it was Brandon Miller. Rumor, Brandon Miller, like, Scoot was still a possibility. But even Scoot then, was the rumor. Scoot was the rumor. Brandon Miller, like, if you go back, it's probably like an 80-20. Like, it was probably Brandon Miller. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, so once you see Brandon Miller get selected – like, yeah, I would be firing up those firing up those calls in to say, "Hey, you still want?" Or, well, Portland, you want? Well, it would have been Portland, right? And number three, they would have been trading yeah. OG to Portland. Yeah, I don't know. Portland probably didn't want to. Once they knew that they were able to get sued, they didn't want to make that trade anymore. If I had well, to guess, but I didn't read the whole like report, but apparently it was Portland initiating the talks. I think that was one of their efforts to keep Dane. Like, mm-hmm. they couldn't get that deal done. They got Scoot, and they're like, all right, like, Scoot's mm-hmm. ours now. Like, Dame's going to do whatever Dame's going to do, but we have Scoot. I think if they would have got OG, you re-signed Jeremy Grant. Like, that's a, that's a squad that Damian Lillard would have been okay running with. I mean, don't you think? think? I still don't think he – I think he just – OG, I don't think he'd move the needle for Mm-mm. Dame. I don't think he would do that. Like, maybe not for this year, but at least it shows, like, hey, like, we're not committing to a youth movement. You know, we're, like, we're going to get you a guy. Like, and that was before free agency. Like, if you go get OG and then free agency starts and maybe that motivates them a little bit more to bring somebody else in. I I get what you guys are saying, though. Like, OG is a scorer. OG is a defender. Like, 
it, it's tricky. I don't know. Um, the other guy in the talks right now, and by the way, candidates right now for OG Ananobi, if he ends up being the guy that gets traded first, uh, Chicago and Boston are two teams to keep an eye on. Um, Chicago is also going to be a team that may be interested in Siakam if they just try to, you know, try to contend again next year. Um, but Siakam, Indiana has been checking the price of him. And the other, the other day, we talked about this, uh, over the phone, but your guy dropping dimes 27 on Twitter. He basically, he came out after the Indiana report and he's like, no, 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 no. It's Atlanta. It's Atlanta mm-hmm. still. And that's when I kind of took my victory lap at work. Oh, I was yeah. sitting there. I got really excited, but we went over a little bit the, the packages between Indiana and Atlanta for Siakam. For Indiana, it would probably be something centered around Heald and Nimhard, you know, ties for salary filler. You throw in another young prospect and Wara and a second rounder. Um, cause I, I don't think you'd have to put in a first rounder if you already throw in Nimhard. Now, your package from Atlanta is a little bit more like win now player centered. You're going to have probably DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Sadiq Bey. And then those picks would probably end up being first rounders, future first or second rounders or pick swaps between those two. You know, where do you guys, and I'll start with Jesus, which one of those, if you're Toronto intrigues you a little bit more and why? Honestly, I couldn't give you too much insight on that. Not gonna lie, I probably see. What were the options again? Could you repeat them? For Indiana, it'd be Buddy Heald, Jordan Wara, Daniel Tice, Andrew Nimhard. For Atlanta, it would probably be DeAndre Hunter, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Sadiq Bay. Both of them with picks. I definitely think Atlanta should consider that. Not gonna lie, but that's just how I feel about it. I can't really. AJ. I mean, player-wise, um, the package. Which package is better? I would say probably Atlanta for a win-now mode, as you as you would uh, like to call it. Um, Pacers sounds like they're not willing to give up Andrew Nimhart, which is bizarre to me. That is just bizarre. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? You know the validity validity of that rumor. Um, but yeah, I just think I think Pacers are pretty content with what they got right now. I don't think I don't I don't think the Pacers are in any need slash hurry to, you know, blow up all these pieces they've been accumulating the past couple of years, um, yeah. and then kind of culminating it with the Bruce Brown signing, um, the Obi Toppin trade. I think I think they kind of. They're like, okay, I think we're kind of going to give this a shot, see what it takes us, you know, see where our young guys keep developing. So I don't, I don't see the Pacers really making that big of a, big of a splash for Siakam. It probably not, but it kind of bums me because I do feel like the risk is very low for Indiana. You've got Halliburton on a long-term deal, Bruce Brown team option next year. Matherin's still going to be under contract. It's just the second season. Um, then you just re-sign Miles Turner as well, right? But I I think Siakam will be expiring. Yeah, like he's gonna be expiring when he's like okay. thirty or thirty-one years old. He'd be needing most likely, you know, looking for a max type of deal. Uh, I just don't if see he's how he's expiring. Most I think it back. If he's expiring, like that turns into a Kawhi Toronto where you got to win it this year because 
he's not coming back to Indiana. I understand that from Indiana's standpoint, but God, that like just on paper, that deal looks really nice. Um, if the Pacers were to do that, I'd talk to you a little bit about it. I, I instantly catapult them over Cleveland, New York, um, all those teams in the middle of the East, and they're into the top six with, I mean, I'd probably put them over Philly at that point. I, like mm. Philly, Philly behind, uh, Indiana, you got Indiana, Miami, Milwaukee, and Boston would be my top four in the East if that were to happen. Um, and then on Atlanta's side, uh, I think it just makes a lot of sense. It, it's kind of like the Quinn Snyder move is going to be really good for Trey Young's development. You just locked up DeAndre Hunter or not DeAndre Hunter, DeJounte Murray. So if it, if it ends up being Atlanta, it can't be DeJounte Murray for a certain amount of time now. I think that the period's 30 days, but that, that would be a very formidable group. You still keep the double bigs. You bring in another really good, another really good wing. Um, and all of a sudden Atlanta looks like a really serious NBA finals contender if that happens. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Atlanta makes the most sense out of the, out of the Pacers and any other teams involved. Because they've been kind of um, accumulating cap space to make a move for a third star with Murray and Young, so yeah, I just think if they can get Siakam, that'd be a home run home run trade. Because they'd probably trade away Hunter, who I think would Siakam would be just better than him, and then they've got like a big not not that flashy a big three, but they've got a big three in Murray, Young, and Siakam, and then they can they've got Capella and they've got good pieces around him in Bogdanovich to kind of better than they did last year. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter's a little bit past that, you know, glamorous young guy, like, oh, he could be this, he could be that. He's kind of like, you kind of started to see who he's going to be in his career, um, and that that is less of an enticing asset at this point. You talked a little bit about the cap space that they've opened up, um, and that kind of brings me right into the Patty Mills trade. Poor guy's fourth trade in the past, like, <laughs> two weeks. He goes from Oklahoma City to Atlanta, in the deal with uh, Rudy Gay, Usman Garuba, and Tai Tai Washington, as well as a future second rounder going to, to Oklahoma City. So, you know, they add a couple of young guys, a vet, and they get another pick, which they love. Um, you look at those salaries, I believe Patty Mills is in the six and a half range. Yeah. And then, you know, the salaries they send out close to 11 million. They save about four and a half million. They go from three and a half under the tax all the way up to eight which opens up, you know, some options for them in a potential trade uh, for Siakam or whatever they decide to do. Um, and, you know, it's an insignificant trade from a player standpoint. Patty Mills is probably a back-end rotation player, but they did beef up at point guard. I'm going to give them credit for that because DeJounte Murray was their backup point guard last year, and after that it was probably Aaron Holiday. So I think good job by Atlanta there. It just it made a lot of sense. I want to transition a little bit to the Mavericks. Recently, we had the Grant Williams trade. Um, I just want to cover like everything they've done in the offseason because I think their front office has been magnificent. Mm-hmm. They went out and they brought back Dwight, Dwight Powell on a good deal. They got Steph Curry, I think, on the biannual exception. I don't think, I don't think it was the minimum. And then Grant Williams, I mean, talk about, you know, everything they needed from a wing guy. Like he's going to be able to shoot the three. He's tough. He's lengthy and big. Um, he's a good defender. Um, he's going to bring an element of toughness to Dallas that I don't think we've seen uh, in the Luka Doncic era there. I think probably the closest thing was Dorian Finney-Smith. And 
Dwayne Finney-Smith is not Grant Williams. Um, I mean, I look at all these moves they made, and I'm going to mm-hmm. be honest with you guys. I look at the West. I don't know if they make the playoffs. Wow. I genuinely don't. I, I don't mm-hmm. think that – I. And maybe it's just a high-raving factor. But I don't know if they make it. I don't know. I, I just don't agree with you. I think I think Kyrie being logged in with the – I think Kyrie is kind of committed to the Mavs now. It's not going to be flip-floppy Kyrie going to another team looking for something else. I think he's going to be there because they were the only team willing to give him money, that much money, and he got it. And now he signed it. I saw that he signed like a $100 million shoe deal or something. So I think he's just happy in Dallas and he's going to like try to play together with Luca and not be just like solo ball with him getting but the ball. I haven't, seen getting the ball. I haven't seen it yet. I need but to see it. Last year was him trying to prove because he was in a contract year. But this year, he's got like his future secured. So I feel like he, it's just going to be him playing with Luca instead of more like him playing for himself. And I think the moves they made made a lot of sense. They got Seth Curry. They got um, they tried to get Tybalt. They couldn't get him, but that was a good valid try. And um, I think seeing like maybe a Jared Allen trade, something like that, because they need a center. I don't think Powell is enough. So maybe something like that. If they get that, I think they'll be a shoe in in the playoffs. But I don't. Who else do you think is gonna make the playoffs over the Dallas Mavericks? I don't think there's. A lot of other contenders in the in the West. Do you want me to say something crazy? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. The Houston Rockets. Bro. The Houston Just Rockets, guys. You do come on, bro. Udoka, Jabari yeah. Smith looks great. You go get Fred Van Vliet in the summer. Brooks. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Oh, Dylan Brooks. Over San Antonio. All right, we're not going to go down that route. I promise you that. We're not going to start slandering Dylan Brooks on here. Um, Breakout season I, incoming. I, I don't sleep on Houston. In fact, I'll, I'll make you guys a bet, $5 a piece, that they have a better record straight up, straight mm-hmm. up than Dallas. Better record. Yep. Bring me my money, bro. Yeah, I'll take we'll that. We'll see about that. We'll yeah. see about that. Um, a little bit of a shorter podcast. The last couple things I want to go over here is the summer league. We talked about – you know, the sophomores have made a lot of big impressions between Jabari Smith, um, Keegan Murray, Chet, Jalen Williams. Um, those things, those kinds of things are obvious. And I think a lot of the, the top prospects. Kenny Lofton. The draft, Kenny okay, Lofton. Yeah. Got to put Kenny Lofton in there. G League like, MVP. All mm-hmm. the draft, like top lottery guys, they've, they've kind of lived up to the hype. Even Brandon Miller had a couple bounce back games. Um, I want to talk more about, you know, where you guys see the young cores in the league. And I'm going to give you a list of teams here. Um, and I want you to kind of rank them. I'm going to go around the horn. I'm going to start with Berman. Um, they rank these six in terms of tiers. All right. Not like one by one, but the Rockets, Thunder, Spurs, Pacers, Pistons, and Magic. So I'd say ready to playoff contend, not championship contend, but playoff contend would be the you, you, did he have the Thunder in there? He had the Thunder, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. it would be the Pacers and the Thunder, I think, in my opinion. Because I think last year the Pacers should have made the playoffs with no injuries. They probably would have. They were in the top five throughout the year when they had Halliburton. Once he went down, we kind of started giving more minutes to Mattern and them hard, and then we went in like give the youngsters some playing time instead of trying to contend for the playoffs mode. 
So I feel like the Pacers are shooing if there no injuries happen. I feel like Thunder almost. I think I'm having some internet troubles. What is? Did, did you say something? <laughs> you good, Kevin? Where'd you laugh? Yeah. Okay. What's it? What did you laugh at? Uh, <laughs> what? I don't know. That's funny. Alright. Hey, go ahead. What were the six teams again? You said Thunder, Pacers, Spurs, Rockets, Pistons, and Magic. Pistons and Magic. Well, bottom tier for me is definitely the Magic. I don't have high hopes for them, but playoff, <sighs> playoff. Ready, I feel like, would probably be the Thunder, the Pacers, and then, yeah, I'd have to agree with Berman, probably just the Thunder and Pacers. I feel like the the other three teams still got a couple more years before they're playoff ready. Maybe Houston, though, like you said, your unpopular opinion, I could see that. I really could see Here that. There we go, it's gaining some traction, but you just bet against them. What are you doing? I, I, I can easily see them at, at least get maybe close to 40 wins this season. That, that's my hot take. But, I mean, that'd be a win. That'd be wow. a hell of a win. 22 yeah. to 40, huh? From 22 to 40, yeah, that would be an insane jump. But I feel like they could do it. AJ, where do you have these teams? Um, you know, I saw something crazy on, like, I think it was Bleacher Report the other day. They, they ranked these young cores, like the top 10 young cores. All this um, as well. I think they have like the Spurs in top three. I mean, sure, you just got one Mignogna, right? This generational talent supposed to be. I just think he, I mean, he's not overrated, but I think adding him to whatever the Spurs had for, as a young core, I think overrated them a little, that young core a little bit. So I would put them on the bottom tier out of these six teams that you talked about. And then probably with, there with the Magic. Uh, although I, I like the Magic. Uh, Bunker, Bonchero, I just butchered that name for sure. <laughs> but, uh, uh, him and Franz Wagner, I think are both pretty solid players. Um, and I, I like the Anthony Black pick, so he, he's a good, good piece of young core. Um, but then the Rockets, I would definitely put a, above, a tier above those two teams. And then, um, the Pacers and the Thunder. Uh, a little bit above the Rockets, but I'd say the Thunder probably have the best young core. But yeah, Shea, Giddy, Chet, uh, the Williams dudes. Um, yeah, I like, I like Thunder, but I think there's some good young talent, you know, in the NBA coming up and it's For crazy, sure. crazy that, you know, this young generation is the next one as the one we all grew up with is, uh, <laughs> winding away kind of. Yeah. Listening to you guys talk a little bit and then looking at my notes, I think I got mixed up a little bit on what I wanted you guys to rank. I think I ranked them incorrectly. I think I ranked them more on like where I see the teams instead of the young core. Um, I think you guys nailed it on the head with all the young cores. Um, in terms of where I could see the teams, I think, you know, your Thunder and Pacers, I expect them to be in the playoffs. And then I think the Rockets will probably be the next out, like close, close to it. Um, 
And then I think, you know, the Pistons will probably be the worst team here. Yeah. And Magic um, and Spurs could sneak into, you know, a little bit of a fight for a 10 spot. Who knows? Um, the, that's kind of where I had those teams. Um, but overall, you know, it's, I think it's a healthy discussion to have about the young cores. Um, and some of these teams that, you know, probably don't get as much coverage during the regular season as they do during the off season. So I think we need to capitalize on that opportunity. Um, sure. other than that, I think, I think that's all we had for tonight. It's a little bit of a shorter episode, but I think we went through, um, plenty and we left some on the table for next week. So I appreciate all you guys for coming out. Andy and Jesus, always a pleasure. And AJ, really appreciate you coming out and being on the pod this week. Yeah, man. Thanks. And, uh, We'll have to do it in the future sometime for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we should be back probably later next week. Um, thinking maybe the 19th or the 20th of July, uh, for a back end podcast, uh, next week. Um, so look for that on YouTube. This episode should be on YouTube, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday afternoon range. Um, and you know, we'll go from there. So as always, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Peace. Thanks, fellas.